Have you ever missed an important email because of your overloaded inbox? Wading through forests of unread emails, tons of newsletters, and follow-ups to find the one is a very frustrating experience. Seeing the number of unread emails growing every day is stressful, and taking the time to go through everything is a waste. So the folks at Clean Email came up with a cleaning solution, and it is a real game changer. First, Clean Email organizes all of your emails into smart views like social notifications, newsletters, unread emails, emails from project management tools, emails from dead ends, top senders, and on and on. This way, with Clean Email, you can quickly take care of those thousands of emails in your mailbox, marking them as read, archiving them, labeling and moving them around by hundreds or thousands at once. And then you can set up auto-clean filters to automatically archive or move emails around as they arrive. For example, one feature I really like is the ability to auto-archive emails as they become older than a couple of months. And use Smart Unsubscriber to keep your mailbox clean from newsletters and noisy marketers. Clean email was designed with your privacy and security of your data in mind. Since they are in the business of providing a great service in exchange for a fair fee, they guarantee to not sell or analyze your data. They are verified by Yahoo and Google and support all email providers out there. Visit clean.email forward slash productivity and get 50% off the five accounts annual package. Again, that's clean.email forward slash productivity. Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about the book I've been working on. It's called Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done, and it will be released on September 24th, 2019. You may already know that I only really care about productivity because it's how we become our best selves in the world. All of us have gaps between what we think we can be, what we dream we can be, who we want to be, and what shows up day to day. Start Finishing bridges those gaps. The book will give you the tools, mindsets, and practices that help you do the stuff your soul is yearning to do, but that somehow seems eternally out of reach. It also features contributions from my personal friends, colleagues, and teachers, such as Seth Godin, Dan Pink, Laura Vanderkam, Jonathan Fields, Susan Piver, Joshua Becker, James Clear, Chelsea Dinsmore, Sereni Rao, and many more. I'm really proud of this book, and I consider it our book rather than my book, meaning that it would not have happened if it weren't for the amazing connections I've made with the Productive Flourishing community over the last 12 years. So, thank you. If you're interested in the book and you want to learn more and maybe pre-order it, check it out at startfinishingbook.com. That's startfinishingbook.com. And now, on to the episode. You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. As I've talked to people about everything's going on, mm-hmm. they've been like, well, that's quite the roller coaster. Yeah. From one end to the other end. And I think the difficulty about it this time around is how much amazingness and sort of wonderful stuff was happening with the book mm-hmm. at the same time that this hard stuff was happening. Yeah. So roller coaster is not actually the best way of thinking about this. It, it's more like a prism, mm. you know, like a light prism where when you shine light on it and all the light spectrums happen at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of an emotional spectrum in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like learning how to feel the good and it be good Mm -hmm. and not be, you know, handicapped or pulled down by the hard. Yeah. 
Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Productive Flourishing Podcast. It's been a minute since we've recorded together, Angela. It's It's been, do you even remember when? I honestly don't even remember the last time we recorded together. So um, it's I'm excited about it. I'm a little nervous because it's been a while since we've actually sat down and done this together. Um, but I'm excited. All righty. It's impossible to catch up with the full year of what's gone on and everything like that. So we're not even going to try that. (laughs) Instead, what we're going to do is really focus on a recent trip that we went on and some lessons that we learned from that trip. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while since we've had one of those. Um, and, And while we can't go through everything that's happened in the year, I think going through some of the highlights will show why we needed to do what we did. And so Mm -hmm. just as a quick highlight, and in case you haven't gotten any notifications about it, we launched a book this year. Yes. So the book Start Finishing has been 80% of our team's effort since it definitely this year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I turned in the manuscript sometime last quarter four, Mm -hmm. and then there's all the edits. And then, you know, the launch of it has been taking a lot of the team's effort. Yeah. Um, And as much as I tried not to have the book be the thing that consumed the entire team, Mm -hmm. that's what happened. Yeah. So that's a major sort of professional thing. And we've all rallied around it. And it's been a huge learning curve. It's also been a big party and a big celebration and really a catalytic year on that front. Definitely. And behind the scenes, we've also had some other things going on. So Angela got... Not one, but two concussions this summer. Mm -hmm. And Angela, I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, just briefly, you know, I had one concussion very early in June, and it really, it knocked me out in a pretty big way, um, both literally and um, metaphorically. Um, And it took months to really try to get back up on my feet from that and really took me out of a lot of things that I normally do day to day. Um, and just as I was really starting to get back on my feet from that, had a second concussion almost exactly three months later. So I'm still currently recovering from from both of those concussions and doing a lot of therapy and cognitive stuff um, just to try to get back to normal. So, Yeah, and Angela has a bit of a history of traumatic brain injuries. Yes. And so, in case you don't know, once you get your first concussion, you're more likely to get your second concussion and just things like that. So, it's not our first rodeo when it comes to dealing with that, but it's never one of those things that you want to do. Yeah. And it's really, it was really fascinating this summer because we realized this time around the, the concussion, how much braining, how much cognitive work that we do. Because your first concussion mm-hmm. wasn't as painful. No. But it really hit your memory cores, it really hit your processing cores and your speech cores mm-hmm. that time, right? And yep. so um, really threw us for a loop there. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 10 days after 
the concussions popped up, we found out that we were pregnant. It was actually our first time um, of having that conversation. And about a week later, found out it was a miscarriage. No, it wasn't that long, was it? Angela, mm. you know the timeline maybe a little bit better. Yeah. Than I, um, I mean, it was, it was, well, it was about a week later when it was confirmed that that was going on. Um, but we, you know, we were in and out of the emergency room um, in the interim. So, okay. We're going to be brief here. There's a post on um, productive flourishing that I can link to in case you want to read more about that. But um, it's one of those things. It's, it's one of those hard things of life that, mm-hmm. that happens and you figure out how you're going to go forward with it. And that's where we were there for a bit. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the, and then, and then, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. and we haven't written about this one yet, but some people know um, our wonderful old lady cat socks. Um, well, it, it ended up being her time to go a week, the weekend of the book launch. Actually, I came in from San Francisco and we had to let her go the next day. Yep. So it was like concussion, concussion, miscarriage, letting socks go. And socks was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's a whole lot to say there. But she's, she was been on basically hospice for three years, getting fluids every day and a lot of care. And she'd gotten to the place where she couldn't walk as much. And so, um, you know, we sort of made a commitment with her that like when we sensed that it was time for her to go, that it would be time and we would, we would do what we needed to do. Um, but she held on for a long time. Yeah, she a, did. A long, long time. Yeah. And she was a very integral part of our family and our team <laughs> in yeah. some ways, right? And especially for you with your book writing process. Yeah. So yeah. there was, um, this year was full of a lot of really amazing things and also just a lot of really hard things, which led us to <laughs> needing to do what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, that's quite the background, quite the setup there. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pause here because um, as I've talked to people about everything's gone on, mm-hmm. they've been like, well, that's quite the roller coaster Yeah. from one end to the other end. And I think the difficulty about it this time around is how much amazingness and sort of wonderful stuff was happening with the book mm-hmm. at the same time that this hard stuff was happening. Yeah. So roller coaster is not actually the best way of thinking about this. It, it's more like a prism, mm. you know, like a light prism where when you shine light on it and all the light spectrums happen at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of an emotional spectrum in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like learning how to feel the good and it be good mm-hmm. and not be, you know, handicapped or pulled down by the hard yeah and also understanding that the hard is not the totality of the situation and just learning how to do both or learning how to feel both yeah um huge lesson learned for me personally and you know that was a lot of the um had to practice a lot of resilience this year yeah of being able to do because we find out information and you know the next day or 15 minutes later i'd be getting on stage to you know, give a speech or I'd have to jump in to do a podcast and just being able to be emotionally facile or emotionally flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, lots to learn there, but, and, 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 and mm-hmm. we had done a really, or we have been doing a really good job of self-care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or, and a lot of that self-care, especially because of socks, was individual self-care. So mm-hmm. Angelo would be able to go and do some things to take care of herself. 
uh, maybe hang out with her girlfriends for a weekend or go do some things, or I would be able to go do some things for, by myself. Mm-hmm. But we weren't really able to do stuff together yeah. because of, you know, Sox's care and everything going on. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking at this year, at the end of this year, and like, when are we actually going to take the vacation that actually we for context, we had the the trip to Jamaica. We we planned on going to an all um, an all inclusive resort, mm-hmm. partially because I was reading um, some books from behavioral economics that showed that um, paying in full and having all inclusive actually makes us enjoy the experience better because mm-hmm. you don't have the pain of paying throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about it is that typically when we go on vacations. Angela is like the trip coordinator and planner. And mm-hmm. so it's a lot of work on her to do these. And so I wanted to be one of those situations to where we both just got to chill. Yeah. And we had planned on doing this in January of 2019, mm-hmm. but we had a socks scare. Yeah. So we had to cancel yeah. that trip. And that was supposed to be before all of this book launch stuff, before the crazy year that was. Mm-hmm. So when we came back up, and we were thinking about it. I think we were thinking, like, do we need the vacation for self-care? Do we need to get out? Mm-hmm. And I think what flipped the switch for you is when I was like, you know, I, what I said was, I don't think we individually need a vacation. Mm-hmm. But I think we jointly need a vacation. We need to go and do something together. Yeah. And I got the trip booked that day. <laughs> it's kind of how I work. <laughs> kind of how I work. Yeah, it's kind of how she works. Um, and so... We booked that trip to go to um, Jamaica, and we set up a lot of boundaries that I think ended up transforming it. And I want to pause here because I realized that um, some of the lessons that we're going to talk about, insights are talking about, like it, on one hand, you can say, well, sure, that's great. You got to go to Jamaica, and so that's relevant if you're doing that. But I think there are a lot of them that are actually relevant for our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. And for the holidays, which is when we're recording this shortly yeah. before um, the holiday season, mm-hmm. um, we can apply some of those lessons learned mm-hmm. to our day-to-day life and to how we want to be during the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, one of the things that that we brought back with us is that mindfulness about the habits and routines that we had before we went, the ones that we got into while we were there. And bringing home the best of that um, and trying to be very mindful. And so, yes, while it's true, not everyone can just say, hey, I'm going on a vacation for a week and I'm going to a place where I don't have to do anything. Um, You know, we worked really, really hard to finally make that vacation happen for us because it had been years in the making um, for us to have an actual vacation like that together. So, um, yeah, I I think that you're absolutely spot on that as we're talking about this, it's important to remember that um, that gave us the break we needed, but there were also lessons that can really help anybody um, that we that we took away. Okay, so let's sort of phrase this as lessons learned. Okay. Um, one major lesson learned, and and this is for me, Angela. We have we didn't <laughs> in the green room before we were talking about this podcast. We didn't assume that we were going to do it this way. Mm-mm. But for me, the foundation of this particular trip was that we were one hundred percent disconnected and offline 
and not working during the vacation. Yeah. And let me explain what that means. Um, when The details are super important. The details are super <laughs> important. Um, before I left, um, historically, I will take work with me. Um, and even if it's not like, quote unquote, work, it's like, I need to be writing or need to have some stuff. And I'll take a bunch of stuff with me. But I had known since I've been doing in the background a lot of productivity experiments over the last year or two as I've been writing the book. And I knew what recovery looked like for me mm-hmm. was being disconnected from technology, but especially the cloud and the internet and the connectivity and, you know, text messaging and emails and Slack and mm-hmm. all of those things. So I didn't even take a computer with me. Mm-mm. I took my phone only because, um, well, I really didn't need to take a phone. I don't know why I took my phone. Your boarding passes. Boarding passes. So that's what it was. Yeah. Um, that was the one reason I needed my phone. Yeah. Um, and um, I took my Alpha Smart Neo. You guys may have heard me talk about the Alpha Smart Neo. It's basically a keyboard with an LCD screen on it. It's a technology from, 19, from the 1990s. And I took that because I was like, I don't want to be there. And really need to write because mm-hmm. writing a lot of times is not just for work. It's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't want to be stuck there because Angela can attest to this. If I'm needing to write and process and I can't do it, we're all miserable. Yes. Um, so that was it. I took basically the Alpha Smart Neo mm-hmm. and I took my iPod Touch. There will be a post coming out about my iPod Touch because <laughs> um, I got it to basically... Um, it's really what saved my relationship with my iPhone and technology in general, mm-hmm. um, because I can just get it set up to be a media consumption device to just focus on listening to music and mm-hmm. audio books and podcasts. So that's what I had. And Angela, talk about your setup or what you did. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I had an interesting little conversation with Charlie on our first flight out of Portland, um, headed towards Jamaica. And we had, um, an amazing pet sitter, house sitter that was going to be here staying with Petey, um, who's our only cat now. Um, but life looked a lot different for many years when we had socks. And so, um, I was the primary, um, medical, um, (laughs) person for socks. Um, and so for a long time, anytime I would leave, um, I was always available and able to be reached right away in case there was an issue with socks or an emergency or something. And so when leaving, I asked the pet sitter, you know, hey, it would be great if you could send me daily texts on how PD's doing or send me pictures. And didn't really think much about it until we were on the plane headed out And, you know, I didn't bring my computer. I had already let clients know, the team knew, um, my friends knew, family, like, I'm going to be gone for eight days. You're not going to be able to reach me. Yet, I still thought I needed to have my phone and needed to have it on. I got data roaming and international media text and all that stuff. And as we were on the plane... I started to think about it and I looked at Charlie and I was like, Petey's healthy. He's, he's okay. I love him and I love to know how he's doing. And if I have that one 
thing where I'm getting updates every day about how our perfectly healthy and happy cat is doing, then I'm probably going to be seeing all the other text messages and things that come in on my phone. And that's not what I need. So um, as soon as we got there, I (laughs) um, texted the amazing kitty sitter and let her know that, you know, I was working through kitty mama stuff (laughs) and that I didn't need the daily updates. And so um, the phone went on airplane mode. Um, Of course, I realized quickly that you could actually still get texts with that. And Charlie was trying to tell me that, but I am not tech savvy. So it didn't didn't click at first. But yeah, I had my Kindle, Um, you know, and I love to read. Charlie loves to read as well. And so um, the only technology we used (laughs) for eight days was our Kindles when we felt like reading, but there was no connection at all to the outside world. And it was in the best possible way, the longest eight amazing days I've ever had in my life. Um, and I say, normally when people say long days, they're like, oh, that's not good. It was long so good because you just don't realize how many distractions and interruptions you get all day long until it's literally gone. There's none of it. 100% gone. Not 10% gone, which is what I was kind of trying to do with the PD updates, but completely gone. What's really illuminative for both of us about that is because is that a lot of my productivity experiments over the last couple of years has actually been around solitude mm-hmm. and and having closer to 100% disconnection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for you, this was the first time in quite a while yeah. that that happened. And the other thing that's far as context is, um, as is, I guess, sociologically and statistically normal, Angela does a, has a lot more connection with her friends as far as texting and group messaging and, and things mm-hmm. like that than I do mine. I have a smaller group of friends that we communicate differently, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had always known when I would hear your phone and see you, I was like, <laughs> man, she gets text all day, <laughs> right, um, about different things. And then there's phone calls for medical appointments and things like that. Yeah. And so for me, it was really fantastic to observe you. Mm-hmm not have that yeah and be fully connected and you're absolutely right um one i forgot to mention my kindle so that was part of my tech setup so thanks for that amendment (laughs) that friendly amendment um but two the days are really long yeah the days are super super long when you're not um in that digital dopamine trail of like you do one thing and then you switch and you do one thing and you spend all day in that sort of whirlwind Mm -hmm. and not only are the days long but i think you realize how much time you have with people Mm -hmm. if you focus it that direction yeah or another way of saying that is how much some of these devices and technology and text messages and emails truly do come between you Mm -hmm. and the people that you love and want to connect with yeah Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, it really was when you said, you know, that day, like, I don't know that we individually need a vacation, but together. And it was exactly what I'd been feeling 
Um, and then hearing you say it, I was like, done. All right. Permission granted. Um, we won't get into my whole mindset around that kind of thing. But um, we went and we had the intention um, before going. It wasn't an accidental thing. It was a conversation about being disconnected from the outside world. Um, and so the vacation itself was specifically set up in that way. Um, it, again, I think Charlie mentioned it wasn't all-inclusive, not normally the way we travel, but not having to think about driving anywhere, not having to find groceries, figure out a meal, get on Yelp to figure out where I want to go or what scuba instructor we want to use or like any of that you just you feel so free um in a way that I honestly don't know that I've felt as an adult um just to not have to make all those micro decisions all day long and so Angela has slid into lesson learned number two (laughs) yes sorry about that which is how much decision decision fatigue weighs on you and all those micro decisions add up yeah time and time and time again so you you know you already mentioned so many of those things and again this goes back to you know this in a weird way angela is is such a saint because she does or she's along with me for so many of these productivity experiments which can sometimes be a pain in the butt, right? <laughs> um, it sometimes can be. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to like use my phone for two weeks, okay? And she's like, oh, okay, whatever. Great. Right? Great. How am I going to find you? How am I going to find you? <laughs> yeah. Um, or, hey, I'm going to get up at four o'clock every morning. Yes. Right. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> um, but part of the research that I was doing on happiness and flow and being fully, um, fully present... Um, sort of commented that one of the reasons that we enjoy certain types of experiences more mm-hmm. is when we don't have so much of that decision fatigue, so much of that constant making a choice. And, in you know, I mentioned earlier the pain of paying, mm-hmm. which is, you know, every time we pay, every time we pay, there's a, in our brain, a equivalent sort of emotional thing is when we actually have pain, yeah. right? So it's called the pain of paying. And, Every day, we're not every day, but many of us throughout the day, we have to decide to do this. We have to, are we buying a coffee? Are we getting coffee with a toast? Are we buying two coffees because we're going to be there for a while? Mm-hmm. Do we, you know, take a left at this intersection because the traffic looks like it's going to be bad? Or do we stay where we are? It's just you're assaulted with a lot of these micro decisions time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. And so on vacation, and again, I was thinking about this, how do we apply this to these happy making experiences? Um I was like, well, that's exactly what wears me out about a lot of our previous kinds of vacations. <laughs> is it is like, well, what do you want to eat? And whatever you want to do? And what are we going to do today? And I was like, by the time I do all that decision making about new stuff, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I'd rather stay at home. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, and just straight up about it. Right. Yeah. And so when I was talking to Angela, I was like, you know, how about we try not having to make all those decisions and see if we both enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It turns out we did. Yeah. Right. Because again, not only did the lesson learned number one about being disconnected, free up a lot of our time. Mm-hmm. The second piece freed up a lot of our energy. Yes. Right. So that we can focus on something. And um, Angela, you know, we, we've had plenty of conversations about it, but one of the things that can get really frustrated with me and I can get really frustrated with 
are those nights or days when neither one of us want to cook and we're like searching, you know, <laughs> Grubhub and um, Uber Eats. <laughs> Uber Eats. <laughs> And I get so frustrated when it's like 35 minutes of scrolling through Uber Eats to finally get something, yeah. right? And there have been plenty of our vacations where it's been you spending 45 minutes of that day mm-hmm. trying to find that place where we're going to eat. Yeah. We didn't have any of that. Mm-mm. Right? No. And so coming back, well, you want to talk about the simplicity equals happiness thing? Yeah, I mean... I, when we got home, um, you know, I, well, I had an emotional meltdown. We'll we'll say that the day after Charlie was a bit more prepared for it than I was. Um, But it was, again, I think the first time I can recall actually in my adult life, um, except for maybe once when I was in college, um, I'm not sure how adult that that counts, but anyway, um, where I was as off as I have ever been and off from any kind of work, whether it was business work or life work or health work or family work or kitty work, like whatever it was. And it's not that my first day back was even overwhelming, right? It was... It was, I actually still had the day off of work, but I intentionally didn't go to my phone the first morning. Um, I wanted to meditate, um, but I realized that my meditation timer was on my phone, hence the iPod thing, which Charlie talked a little bit about and using that instead. But I was assaulted is what I felt like. I know that sounds so dramatic, but I felt like I was assaulted by about 37 different tiny things, tiny things, the first morning we were home. And again, this was with me still being off work that day. And I had an emotional meltdown that afternoon because all the realities and the lessons, which I wasn't intending to learn lessons on vacation, that was not the intention, came to a head with my reality, which wasn't even my full reality yet. And I realized that I had a lot more changes that I needed to be making in my life holistically. Um, And I also was able to give myself a lot of credit for things that I don't normally give myself credit for, for what I manage and juggle day to day. And so that that reality staring me in my face, yes, there was the emotional meltdown of the day, but there was also a lot of compassion and understanding that finally came up for myself in, dang woman, you are juggling so many different things every single day of your life. You actually had a for real break from all of it for probably the first time ever. So yes, walking back into it after eight days is going to be overwhelming for everyone And what are you going to do about it? Hence, simplicity equals peace. So as I was having, I don't remember if this was pre-meltdown, mid-meltdown or after, um, I walked over to the little whiteboard that we keep in our kitchen for, for notes and errands and groceries. And I just wrote simplicity equals peace. And Charlie and I are both looking at that every day now. 
and continuing to have conversations about how do we make things more simple for ourselves? Um, True, we don't live in a world where somebody's going to make us dinner every day and we don't have to think about what to have for breakfast. And the biggest decision of the day is what you're going to eat, but you don't even have to clean it up or make it. Um, That's not our reality. (laughs) Um, Yet. Okay. Hey, I'm going with that. I'll take that (laughs) yet. All right. Um, But between that vacation where there's absolutely nothing you have to do and your day-to-day reality, what can you change? What can you shift to make things a little more simple for yourself? Um, And that's one of the biggest things that I walked away with is that simplicity helps me to be more peaceful. And one of those things for me now is trying to do only one thing at a time. And while I've for a very long time thought that multitasking was ridiculous, I do it all the time. Um, And I know it's not as effective and it's not as efficient and it's not all of these things, but I do it. And I have intentionally been trying to do just one thing and it's really challenging, really challenging. But when I do focus on the one thing, true, I'm going to say I'm getting less done in the day, but I'm doing it better and I'm more fully present and the outcome as well as the process is better for me and for our team and for Charlie and for my friends and for my family on and on. I don't really need much um, of a sale for unitasking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. It's been something I've been practicing for, for as, uh, quite a while. But I mean, a lot of that was super um, abstract. But mm-hmm. we're talking about things like, you know, she when she's watching TV or watching when she's watching streaming video, mm-hmm. she'll be on her phone messing with stuff. Like I'm always researching something for the business or researching something for the house or for us. So even when it's my off time, was never really off. Never really off. And so we've kind of danced around the iPod touch thing for a while. So yeah. I'm just going to say one of the things that, that we did or that we've done is actually started sharing that a lot more mm-hmm. because there are some things, um, and I've got a post that I've been sitting on for a long time about this. Um, and it's kind of in the book as well, is that we don't realize how much our devices are gateways mm-hmm. into gateways into distraction and things like that. And when we touch those devices, when we use those devices, we're not actually making a choice in a rational yeah. way that we think we are. We're just following behaviors, following yeah. cues. And so switching over such that, you know, she's like meditating or she's doing she's doing um, something that requires media consumption rather than her having her phone. I'm like, hey, Angela, use the iPod. And I'm trying to retrain and rehabituate that. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it breaks that habit of her going from listening to the phone or listening to an audio book to having that thought like, oh, I got to buy something from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, crap, I need to think about this other thing. And then 30 minutes later, right, um, she's been on this digital whirlwind. So that's another one. But I think it can come down to how we make food, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some different things. And what's more importantly about this simplicity equals happiness thing, or excuse me, equals peace, Mm -hmm. is I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I think what came from that breakdown was that how much Mm -hmm. of this was our choice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 
It's true that there are so many demands in our lives. Um, and it's not just me. It's not just you. I, everybody listening to this has so many demands on them today. And there are some that we can maybe get rid of. There are some that are not serving us and are not serving our highest good. But there are a lot that we are involved in that are important to us. And so it's a matter of asking yourself, you know, how am I going to do it? And how do I want to be while I'm doing it? We do a lot of doing. We often don't do a lot of just being. But I think that how do I want to be while I'm doing is a question that that has been super helpful for me the last week while we've been home thinking about this. Um, and there was not anyone that was forcing me to do my work in this way that was me juggling three things at once and not getting projects done and me wondering why I didn't get projects done. Read the book. But, um, <laughs> you know, just all the different ways that we learn to work that really aren't working for us, but they're so ingrained, they're so habituated, they're so patterned that we think it works really, really well um, because it has been getting us by. We've been doing okay. We've been doing pretty well. But when there's a hard to stop and then there's a start again after a little while, it really does allow for a lot of perspective. Again, I know not everyone can do it in that way, but even just starting with thinking about one area of your life where maybe it's not quite in alignment for you, maybe you're not working it or doing it quite the way you want to, can make such a significant change. Absolutely. And like an exercise that I do with some of my um, clients, whether they're executives or whether they're entrepreneurs, is set um, off the clock hours for them. Mm hmm around some of these devices. And it seems like a small thing, but to tell these folks that, okay, our new practice mm -hmm. is that after six o'clock, all your work devices go in a cubby, mm -hmm. they go in a closet, they get powered down and you don't touch them yeah. until the next, you know, time you go back to work. Mm -hmm. Like people think they can do it. It's so hard. It is so hard for a lot of people to do, right? And just let things be. Mm-hmm. And understand that this tyranny of the urgent that many of us feel just dominated by mm -hmm. is actually partially our own creation. Yeah. Right? And so that's another sort of those major things. I guess that would be the, the third lesson learned if we really wanted to slide into it is mm -hmm. that um, how much is under our control when it comes to keeping things simple yeah. and intentional. Yeah. And I will say there have been, again, we've been home for a week from this vacation. And in my quest to be more simple in the way I'm doing things and quite literally just do one thing at a time, I have gotten frustrated 35 times an hour. I mean, that's a probably a bit excessive, but some hours it's really not because I'm sitting there in my off time, I, I put quotes there, but you didn't see them, in my off time, and I'm thinking about all the things I normally was still doing in my, my free time, and 
the phone is not there anymore because as Charlie mentioned, we're, you know, we're trying to break habits. The phone goes in the cubby. Um, but the phone, like it powered my life, like research, finance stuff, shopping, like all the different things. So the phone goes in the cubby. It stays there at night. Um, I try to reach for it. It's not there. So, you know, one of the things that I have been doing is I've had a pen and paper nearby because a lot of times the things that I feel like I need to do in that moment, I don't need to do at all for one. But if I actually do, then I can write it down. But there were 37 other things that I thought I needed to do that really didn't even make the cut to get written on the notebook. Um, So it's very, it's super fascinating um, just how mindful I feel like I've been for years and years about my use of electronics while at the same time, like, never being off. Just, yeah. I'm kind of smiling because I've been telling her this for years. I know. Right. And I, I don't want to be like, I told you so, but yeah. I'm just like, I was seeing it. Yeah. But you were, you know, you can't read the label when you're stuck inside the jar, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and, but the thing too, though, is I didn't label it as work. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are so many things I do that I don't label as work because it isn't my work with a client or my finance work in the business. Right. Um, it's, yeah, but it's work. It's work. Um, wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? Here it go. No, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a book a little bit. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, and sort of wrapping things up. I know we've, we've gone a little bit longer than I think we were intending to, yeah. but I think the fourth thing mm-hmm. would be using structured conversations to reconnect. Yeah. So, with everything that had gone on leading up to that, we knew that we had some conversations yeah. that it was time for us to get into um, about life and love and intimacy and family. future and family and all those yeah. types of things. And so um, my buddy Jonathan Fields had mentioned um, the Gottman's book, The Eight Dates. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I had that kind of in the back of my mind. And I was like, hey, so how about we use they're um, the eight dates as a structured conversation. Then we actually, while we're on vacation, mm-hmm. go on dates and have these conversations and things like that. So we, we yeah. ordered two copies of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a sidebar, one of the favorite things that Angela and I love doing is when we are reading the same book and talking about what's coming up. Yeah. It, right. So it's a super fun thing for us yes. to do generally, but also specifically when it comes to our communication and relationship and future and dreams and hopes and mm-hmm. all those different types of things. And so, um, it's a wonderful book, whether eight, eight dates is a wonderful book, whether you're new in a relationship mm-hmm. or whether you're trying to rekindle things or wherever you are, um, because it walks through eight different conversations, mm-hmm. um, conversations like Angela, you're going to, if you want to go ahead and pull it up, I'm going to forget some, uh, but no, there's like, there's trust and commitment. There's, um, intimacy and sex. There's money and work, um, family and children, Conflict and disagreement, mm-hmm. um, play, dreams. Um, I think there's also spirituality. Spirituality, maybe? yeah. So the yeah for each one of these, you pick one of those topics. Mm-hmm. They provide some really great questions. Really good. And then you talk about them. 
Yeah. Right. And so throughout this trip, there were some dates that were really, really long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that we ended up talking to each other three or four hours and in some ways wearing ourselves out. We went through, to be <laughs> honest, we went through what, four of them? We did. Yes, we did four of the eight while we were on vacation. After the third one, we both were like, man, this is so good. And we like, like, we're always like madly in love with each other, but we're like even more so after the first three. And we're both like, I think we need to take a little bit of a break. (laughs) Yeah. So we did get four of them in um, while we were on the vacation. Um, And God, they were amazing discussions. Just amazing. Um, And having that, um, that time and that intention right? To have those conversations that, yeah, they may happen very briefly over dinner for five minutes before we have to run to something else, but the depth and the quality isn't there until you make that time um, to really get into it. It reminds me of those like sweetheart times of a relationship where it's like, you know, you're talking on the phone and mm-hmm. you just fall asleep and all those sort of... <laughs> Things not saying that happened with us way back in the day, Angela. But, I know. <laughs> but all those little ways where you stay up in the late hours of the night talking about things or, you know, mm-hmm. that you go on a date and you just never ends and you're in sort of that period. It, it, it took us back to that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they commented that um, most couples, like, don't spend more than, what, 30 minutes a night? Mm-hmm. Um, actually talking about things. Most of our conversations around logistics and admin and coordination and just Mm -hmm. sort of the busyness of life. And obviously, Angela and I talk to each other a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, And it was really great having those structured conversations Mm -hmm. to um, reconnect. Yeah. Because if you don't have that sort of shared commitment to have conversations or shared activities it's a lot of times you get back into that well what are we doing now like are we doing this are we doing Mm -hmm. that are we doing something together are we doing something solo all of those types of things but just having that as a period of time to reconnect Mm -hmm. and to have that structure there was really really powerful yeah yeah and to kind of bring it i guess in some ways you know back to the season that we're in if you want to think about it that way um For a lot of people, um, regardless of their spiritual or religious traditions, um, this time of year is about thankfulness and gratitude and gifting. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to say is that this vacation and the way we did it was probably the best gift I feel like we've ever given ourselves. True that. And specifically, um, you know, this, the lessons that we got from it, um, but more importantly, that disconnection from the rest of the world in order to reconnect with one another, um, I couldn't have asked for a better gift, especially at the end of the year, like the year that we've had. And I also am incredibly grateful um, to Jonathan for bringing that book to your attention and to the Gottmans for, for the book that they've put out there because while we're not done with it, we have a couple of dates left. I will say one of the things that was just phenomenal for me in the dates that we've had thus far is that we've known each other for 
nearly 25 years, been together for more than 22. Um, And there were still things that we learned about each other in those conversations, which in some ways just kind of blows my mind um, that it it's just, yeah, just such a gift to get that time and that ability to reconnect like that. I agree. Definitely a great gift. And that's sort of to wrap things up. We mentioned in the setup that like, while we understand this was a, um, a pretty big contrast and that going to Jamaica and having an all-inclusive is, is um, one way of going about this. But mm-hmm. those lessons that we talked about yeah. can be applied to your day-to-day mm-hmm. and they can be applied to the holiday activities and the end-of-year activities that you know you have coming up. So just a yeah. few sort of prompts there. Like what would it be like for you to disconnect from all the other technologies and be a 100% present for the people that you're with throughout mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. And maybe it's not, you know, eight days, but maybe it's two hours while you're at the party that everyone commits to putting their phone in a box Yeah. and just being 100% together. And yes, it will be awkward because people will be reaching for their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also, I think, a gift of realization of how connected we become with things. Mm-hmm. That's creating disconnection with people. Yeah. Okay. So that's one thing to think about there. Second one we'd be thinking about is how can you lower the decision fatigue and lower all of the runarounds and things that you're going to do? Like, how can you make this season simpler? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's if you have a holiday vacation coming out. Maybe it's that you pre-plan some meals. Yeah. And, you know, make them in advance so that you're not spending all day thinking about what you're going to cook and eat. Mm-hmm. Or maybe instead of, you know, you and your partner buying material gifts for each other, maybe you decide to spend that money to have someone make food for you. Like I know some of the restaurants can make meals for you and things like that, right? How can you make it so that it's simpler for you mm-hmm. and you don't spend your days making 200 decisions? that wear you out more than the defaults you have during the primary season, during your, you know, when you're not off for holidays. Mm -hmm. I think the third one, I sort of, I think decision fatigue and simplicity went together there. Yeah. Fourth one would be, I guess, um, what structured conversations could you be having with the people around you Mm. that are pulling you closer together and talking about stuff that truly matters to you? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, rather than the weather and sports and politics and things like that. Like, when's the last time you've asked one of your loved ones what their dreams for themselves are? Yeah. It's the last time you've asked them what trust means to them, what being a good friend means to them, right? So maybe instead of spending that time um, on on sort of surface-level conversations or looking at screens... You can spend that time looking deeply into the eyes and hearts of the people around you. Mm. All right, gang. It's been a minute since we've had a podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, We'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. 